Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this edition of Believe in Grizzlies. Um, this is Shy. Today I have a special guest. It's Chris from Hoop Spaces. It's a Spaces Twitter. It's Monday through Friday from 10, 10 a.m. on Twitter Spaces. Chris says he's a pioneer of NBA social dropping audio, giving the fans a chance to uh, have their say while he's covering the league. It's seen on Bleacher Report, Brother from Another Mother on Peacock breaking down the NBA. How you doing, Chris? I'm good, Shy. How you doing? I'm great. So um, tell me how uh, Hoop Spaces was started. Um, Yeah, it, back in the pandemic, uh, when everything shut down, there was a, a, an app called Clubhouse that uh, was reinvented from a podcasting platform to a social drop-in audio platform. And, and just think of it, as like a large conference call. Uh, anybody from anywhere could drop in and take part or at least listen in, in our conversation. Um, and I did I did subsequently well over there. I, I had some rooms covering basketball called NBA on CH. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually uh, was able to meet the, the co-founder uh, and the director of sports. And, and at that point, um, Twitter started recruiting me to talk about the NBA on Twitter spaces. And, and so I said, yes. Uh, and so, <laughs> We moved over to Twitter uh, and Hoop Spaces was born uh, as a platform on Twitter where you can come through uh, like old school call-in radio and, and give us your take uh, and how you view your favorite team across the, the league in the NBA. Okay, that's that's great because I see a lot of people sometimes, you know, I, <coughs> excuse me, I'll drop in and listen, but like some of the spaces, but I know and I want to applaud you for giving women a chance to talk because some of the spaces you go in you all you see all the guys you know up there speaking and then you see the women listening and then like then sometimes when women want to say things you know nobody wants to take them seriously but I want to thank you for you know you let women up there let women talk because it's just like you know that that's that's a good thing because some people don't want to do that oh yeah no the the idea was giving everybody a chance to talk and predominantly women played a, a huge role in that decision, uh, likely similar to like how media is expanding, including women, especially women of color. There was never really a place on social media uh, that afforded the same opportunity. And, and we strive to get everybody's voice, uh, man, woman, uh, child, even sometimes some people uh, come in uh, trying to break in from school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's all about sharing your passion, which and knowledge, which women uh, play this game. Uh, see the WNC Women's College because we cover that, too. OK, let's start uh, start talking about the Grizzlies. So what do you think of the Grizzlies right now? They're number two in the West. Um, I think number three in the league. They have the number one defense. Um, I think they're number two in net rating and they just a pretty good team. So what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies? Um, I tell you what, they are absolutely on fire. They are the league's hottest team. Uh, they're winner of eight straight. Uh, I believe they're eight and two in the last 10. Um, and what's interesting is like last year, they lost Ja for 
a long period of time. Uh, this year it was Desmond Bain's turn. And, and what I think you saw was it, it allowed uh, Taylor Jenkins to accelerate the development of some second year players and also give the, the rookies plenty of run. And to the, the wonderment and surprise to many, uh, the teams responded very well. 18 and three at home. So you're essentially a top three club at home as well. Uh, the big question is, can you win away on the road enough uh, to be true title contenders? Because uh, if you don't have home court advantage, you're going to have to win that one extra game on the road. And that is going to be Memphis's like judgment uh, up until now. They're phenomenal. Uh, 116 a game. They're giving up 111. So you got a five point differential, uh, which I believe is also top four for the league. Uh, so everything is working superb. Uh, and that is also without arguably a, a traditional backup big, uh, which I think is really the only quote weakness that the Grizzlies may have uh, if you face an elite big like Jokic, who might get you in, in foul trouble. Other than that, they are clear top four team in the league right now. Okay, Jaron Jackson Jr., he missed the first 14 games, and the Grizzlies were at the bottom um, in the league in the, in the defensively. When he returned, they're number one. So could you talk about how we just, like, really overstate his importance to the team? The focus is always on John Morant, but this year Jaron Jackson Jr. is bringing it on both the ends of the floor. Yeah, he's he's averaging three blocks per game right now, and he, he can probably get it up uh, to four uh, with some more play. Uh, but more importantly, I don't think there's anybody in the league uh, who does a better job of stealing off and providing help defense as well. Uh, so if you're able to get a player who can cut off a third to a half of the court simply on help defense, whether he's a block threat or a steal threat because he's averaging a steal per game as well, uh, it, it really allows the freedom for the perimeter defensive players to make that extra gamble and have recovery time. And I think you see that also in, in your transition bump. Uh, a lot of it has to do uh, with the ability for the defense to overreact and basically get people in, in a hurry and cause an, an extra turnover per game. Uh, so he, not only does he give you the blocks and the steal, he's causing an additional turnover uh, which then usually leads to a run out and, and, and an easy two points. Uh, the other thing that he's done uh, remarkably well is rebounding and, and not in terms of getting the overall numbers, but when he came in the league, uh, it was, it was laughable in terms of how he positioned himself for a rebound and how he battled for a rebound. Those days are gone. Uh, he's learned how to leverage his body and, and he's getting better position. So even if, he doesn't get the rebound. It's making it a lot easier for Steven Adams, uh, Brandon Clark for the one game I think that I saw him with there, uh, or Santi Aldama to come in and uh, increase the team rebounding aspect too, which is a very non-talked about asset uh, to Jaron Jackson's game. And so doing the eight-game win streak, let me throw out some stats for you. John Morant is averaging 29.8 points per game. You know, he, he just played six of those games. Um, 4.2 rebounds, eight assists, and his true shooting percentage is 62.1. Jaron Jackson Jr. is averaging 18.8 points, 7.8 rebounds, 3.6 blocks, and his true shooting percentage is 65.2%. And at this rate, this season, he's shooting 60% 
from the field in two-point shots. He's not settling for three-pointers. So um, Desmond Bain is back. Before he went out, he was playing on a, at an all-star level. So if the, those three players click, do you think the league is in trouble? Now the fourth player, um, Dylan Brooks with the return of Jaron Jackson uh, is, is also going to be more efficient. Um, and I think the league really kind of has to pay attention because there's really only one easy out on offense and it's Steven Adams. Uh, and, and even then he's going to go five for six with putbacks. Uh, so if, if Desmond Bain returns to the, the pre-injury form uh, and he's giving you three threes per game, stretching the floor, while also being able to, to provide great in-lane defense with Dylan Brooks, uh, John Morant can, can guide this team to an easy top two seed. Uh, depending on health of the rest of the team. I, I actually think the league is pretty well on notice uh, about the Grizzlies since uh, Tripp's return. Yeah, because uh, last night, Desmond Bain, he was four from four or five from three from the three-point shot. So he's he's coming back, you know, surely but surely he's coming back. So um, a lot of people don't like the Grizzlies. They say they talk too much, you know, and they say they real cocky. Um, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, I, I think they uh, would be right, but it's very reminiscent of uh, the Bad Boys Pistons, right? Uh, they thought they were too cocky when they were going up against Boston to, to become the king of the East before Chicago's dominant run. And, and nobody liked the Detroit Pistons unless you were from Detroit because Isaiah Thomas, Zeke was always in your face, always talking trash. Uh, Joe Dumars was always giving you a ride look and, and discounting you. And then you had Rick Mahorn and Bill Lambeer, you know, punishing people with elbows and, and jabbering, right? Like that is what the Grizzlies are just in modern times. And, and I particularly enjoy it. Uh, I, I think it, it can go a little too far uh, at times, but like, isn't that why we're here? Are we not entertained uh, as a famous actor once said in a movie? Uh, and, and I think on top of that, it actually embodies the city of Memphis. Like I've been to Memphis multiple times, like just to eat. Cause the it's food the, cap the capital of chicken, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like a lot of people, like they, they just have this idea of Memphis that like they don't really understand cause they just haven't visited. And, and like Memphis is like New Orleans. It has its own swag, its own style and its own language and culture. Uh, and I think they embody that. And I think a lot of other teams should actually really look at what the Grizzlies are doing, uh, get their social media people and their PR people in a room and say, hey, how can we make our brand that fun? Because really, that's what it is. Like, you look at the Grizzlies and it looks fun. Now, conversely, if they lose, it doesn't look so much fun. But, like, right. isn't that all things in life? Uh, see the Phoenix Suns, too, right? Because people right. don't like them. Um, but the difference between Memphis and Phoenix, I would say, though, is that every player seems to like buy in and embody that culture, uh, which is a really a good testament to Taylor Jenkins, plus the front office for allowing the development uh, of that culture, you know, transitioning from grit and grind to grit and grind 2.0 with swag. Yeah. And you know what? That made me think about something. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. was on a podcast recently. And then he said that they was talking, you know, um, about something at the end of the, um, you know, the exit interview. And he was like, well, he was telling Zach Klein and him, telling him he think everybody need to be at practice. Jaron saying since that day on, he said uh, Zach Klein show up for practice. 
And then he said, Zach Kleiman will come in there. If he can't be there, he would tell them. He was like, he didn't mean it that way, but he was like, he appreciated that. Because it's like, when you see a GM, you know, at every practice, he said, Zach Kleiman is there. And he said, that's how the culture is. It's just like, they listen to them. And it's just like, he's like, they're like family. And I was like, I thought that was like, so, I mean, it was just eye-opening for me. Uh, yeah, you know what? It, it's very reminiscent um, of R.C. Buford because he would do the same thing when he was younger uh, during the Tim Duncan era, right? He, you'd see him. Uh, Larry Bird was the same way in Indiana. Mm-hmm. He was there every practice. And and what that does is it brings a level of seriousness. Uh, and, and depending upon that person's personality, uh, you, you get that culture. And Zach is young, so kudos to him. I think he's like, he's younger than I am. So he's like 35, 36. Uh, but what he understands is, is the modern player. Uh, and, and he understands that the expressionism is a key aspect to unlocking the talent that is John Morant and subsequently Tripp and Dylan and, and Desmond Bain. And like, then you, you get a vet like Steven Adams and he fits right in. Like Kyle Anderson, no longer there, fit right in. Uh, and it's because of that culture, right? So I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised also, that Zach doesn't have a veteran pickup, even if it's just to be on the back end of the roster, uh, to help bolster that and then also give some veteran, like, lean on to in the playoffs. Because that's really all the Memphis Grizzlies have left to prove is, is success there. And then um, last season, you know, like, they were down in the playoffs. Um, they were down to um, Minnesota. And then they just, like, you know, the guys was, you know, they was feeling some type of way or whatever. But I saw Kyle Anderson and Steven Adams just talk to them. They, they was constantly talking to them um, and everything because Jaron was down, everybody was down. And they came back and won that game. And then it, it just like hurt his uh, Kyle Anderson veteran leadership like really was needed. And then like this season, they have, you know, Danny Green there. He's a three-time M- NBA champion. And I think they listened to him, you know. Right, they they do. It just helps if that person is also able to be on the floor a little bit mm-hmm. um, because there is something lost in translation uh, from the flow in the moment of the game. Uh, and that's not like me giving you an analysis. That's other veteran players uh, who've been on championship teams. They're there. The players listen to them. But there is that kind of difference. Like that's why uh, Golden State is desperate to get like Andre Iguodala back, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I think like there's a couple of guys probably out there that could come in, even if it wasn't for the playoff roster, mm-hmm. uh, that that would help and would fit. And like, believe it or not, uh, with like Brandon Clark being out, you know, Mello could just slide right in, even just on a 10 day back to back and really help prepare these guys for that second half of the season and the next step uh, getting into that first round. So they don't have that kind of letdown in, in, the, in the playoff you know, series. And I think last year it also kind of caught them by shock of the difference of play in the playoffs. And I think they're ready for it this year. Yeah. And then um, let's talk about Tyus Jones. Cause like when John Morant is not, is unavailable, Tyus is stepped up. And then it's just like this year, he's been more aggressive. Um, I think four of the starts he had this year, he's, um, he had 20 or more points. Um, so what are your thoughts on Tyus Jones? Um, I enjoyed actually watching him play his brother, Trey, uh, in San Antonio, the, the mm-hmm. night that Ja was out. And, and like, it just reaffirms, like, my belief in Tyus. Like, I, I have said about his brother that he's played his way 
into a legitimate discussion of being the San Antonio Spurs starting point guard. And Tyus is just as every bit as good, if not better. Mm-hmm. So, like, the only thing I want to see for Tyus is uh, him to win in Memphis, but also to get a shot where he is like Jalen Brunson is now for the Knicks, the point guard for a team, because I think he uh, would be extremely successful. I mean, like, just this year alone, his efficiency in terms of scoring uh, has increased to a level I didn't know might be possible as a backup. He's shooting 45 from the floor. He's giving you a three and a half, 11 points, five assists, and a steal. Uh, and and it's all great decision-making. As His assist-to-turnover ratio is pretty decent for somebody with the ball in his hands for the amount of minutes. So, like, I think he's clear-cut uh, one as the back, the best backup point guard in the league. But in honesty, um, he's really just, like, one B, right? And, right. and I think the league really understands that. Similar to like the Malcolm Brogdon role in Boston, which also is a testament to to team building, because um, it's one of the complaints for my favorite team. We don't have a backup point guard of that caliber, and if we did, we'd probably be one of the top teams, two teams in the league as well, uh, because that's how valuable that player is. And that's yeah. why he makes fifty mil too. Yeah, and then the fact that he wanted to be here, he he he. I mean, he he said that he he come off the bench, but. He said he's a starter, and and it's just like that's what he wants. And then sometimes I like when him him and Ja play together, play together, where Ja can be off the ball and Tyus can be on the ball. And then like sometimes Tyus make better decisions. Yeah, no, and I think it's because he plays at a slower pace, uh, right? And and he sees the the actual game develop more, whereas Ja mm-hmm. plays more on reaction. Um, I mean, I understand what he's saying, and and one, it's the right thing to say. Uh, but if you just look at what he's doing with the five to one tur- assist to turnover ratio, you know, like that, uh, that screams, like get this guy 32 minutes. And that's the problem um, is, is they're just not there in Memphis. Even if he were to play uh, next to Ja, who are you going to take out? You're going to take out Bain? Well, no. Uh, Brooks, not really. So, you know, he's kind of capped at 24, maybe 25. Um, and, and it's just, I want to see what he can do with 32 minutes a game, you know, that's, and that's me, pure personal bias, uh, of, of wanting to see him succeed. Yeah. And I just think that Memphis just have that culture where they use like the Memphis hustle, uh, team. And then like Santi Aldama, he's in pre- playing pretty good this year. Um, have you watched Kenny Lofton? Kenneth Lofton, oh, Lofton Jr. Yeah, he he's he put up um 20 some odd points like uh I think it was this earlier this week um uh, against Wisconsin. Like he he's uh, that's another thing the Grizzlies have done uh even to a better degree than um probably Oklahoma City. It's like mm-hmm. the young guys they get are hitting. Like yeah like you can't even like Jake LaRavia would be killing at the hustle if he was there full time as a starter. Right, Zaire Williams would be killing, uh, and and how can you say that? Well, it's because Kenneth Lofton is down there killing. Um, he, he really is. <laughs> he's averaging almost a double double, uh, in in twenty seven, twenty eight minutes per game in the G uh, for the hustle. So, it, it it's a phenomenal program uh, that Zach uh, and the front office teams have been able to build. And I mean, you're setting yourself up for a really interesting long, you know, competition period of time that I think um, they, they, I think they're probably in the best position to take advantage of the new CBA. And, and I think Zach, uh, very similar to Sam Presti, has built this team to be able to compete 
via internal development for a long time is what I'm trying to say. So you think that, do you think that they're going to make a trade? Uh, it, it, you know, the, the idea of a trade really would come down to three things, right? Uh, is there an overarching glaring need uh, that needs to be addressed? And, and you could say maybe a backup five because I like Santi, but he's not really a five and neither is Brandon Clark. They kind of play the same position. Uh, they just play it differently. Santi can get you inside and outside. Brandon is high energy uh, and, and is probably the better athlete and rebounder. So like you could look at trading Brandon Clark uh, and, and maybe one of the young guys or even a future second and somebody like Zach Collins from San Antonio uh, would be a phenomenal fit who could come in and play either the four or the five, give you some rebounds and some good defense uh, and also in a, be available to be like a pass friendly big because he doesn't need his shots, just like Steven Adams. So uh, something like that I could see happening. Other than that, there's really no need to um, just, just suffice to say if Brandon Clark is healthy, uh, if he's not, then, you know, you, you ask yourself, can Xavier Tillman give you 15 minutes a game in a playoff series? And, and, I, and I don't know if they're, they'd be happy with that. Okay. Um, do you think that the Grizzlies should have more than one also? Uh, right now, no. Uh, it, it's, I think the, the second All-Star, had he been at the start of the season, uh, would be Jaron. Uh, I think Tripp would be in there. Uh, uh, I think Desmond would probably be the odd guy out. It's very hard to get three in. Um, had Desmond not been injured, uh, he probably gets in because I don't think Booker's going to be uh, healthy. Even if he's, yeah, healthy. Even if he comes back, I don't think he's going to play uh, in the All-Star game. Like, I mean, he's back now. I, yeah, I don't think it's, it's hard. I don't think he is. Um, so, like, maybe he gets in as, as the last selection via the coaches. Uh, the West is really rough shot. Right. You, got, you got New Orleans uh, that's in a similar situation. They have two players in Zion and Brandon that kind of missed time. Zion's probably going to get into the vote. Well, does Brandon get in? He was playing at an all-star level before he went down too. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. Um, yeah, I, I don't see I'm basically, I'm basically talking about like the coaches because it looks like Ja won't be starting, you know, when the votes come in, come came out um seems like jaws gonna have to get in through the coaches um because i know like you know the media is gonna vote or whatever but i, I don't really think that jaws is gonna be a starter i think um the coaches would have to put him in well yeah I, right now it, it would be luca and steph i think by the vote mm -hmm. um one steph might not play we don't know that either Right. Uh, but uh, honestly, it probably is due to the injury right now. Ja and Luca that should start. Um, but I don't, I don't, that's one reason why I don't particularly like the fan vote because it excuse uh, who I think has the best first half of the season. Um, I, I just think Desmond missed too many games. Uh, and I think Tripp would get selected ahead of Desmond because of his defensive impact. Yeah. So you like, think the coach, you think the coaches are looking at that because like, um, you know, like oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I, I guarantee you, uh, co the coaching staff is looking at Trip because he's a legitimate uh, defensive player of the year candidate, even after missing a, a third of the season. All right. So that that'll be interesting. So, do you think that 
if he keeps it up, do you think that he pro- would be deserving of being the defensive player of the year? Uh, I think it's it's definitely uh, in a possibility because Miles Turner has missed some time. Uh, OG and Anubi has missed some time with some, you know, one game here, one game there. Uh, if you go 42 games and you play 35 and you're a top three defensive uh, big, you have a shot. I think his biggest uh, weakness is that he'll be compared to Nicholas Claxton, who hasn't missed as much time. And with Nicholas Claxton being the, the top defensive big right now in the league uh, with advanced stats, he might get the nod. Um, but he, Tripp's going to make it really tough uh, not to want to pick him. Uh, Miles Turner, if he goes on another uh, hot streak, uh, could be in there, but I think Tripp is better. So I think he edges him out. And uh, that's about it. Maybe Bam. Bam doesn't get a lot of love, but I don't see Bam putting up uh, the blocks and steals that Tripp is going through. So, but do you think Tripp would be first team all defense again? Uh, if he plays 35 at an elite DPOI level, yeah, I think he gets in at least the second team. He might challenge for the first. Uh, it depends on injury from here on out. Okay, that'll work. Well, I appreciate you coming on, talking with me, Chris. Um, uh, we had a fun time. I'm gonna have to have you on again. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I love the Grizzlies. They are an exciting team. Uh, they're probably the third favorite I have on League Pass. I've uh, caught all but six games so far this season. Oh, wow. I have to watch all of them. I don't think I've missed a game this season yet. Yeah, I watch all of them. Well, I thank you for coming on. Um, I'm going to have to come in to, and listen to your spaces. Y'all be in there when I be at work, so I can't listen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? A lot of a lot of people say that, and, and what I tell them uh, is, is stay tuned because I'm working on something that might uh, make that easier. Okay, well that'll be that'll be great. But uh thanks thank you for uh coming on with me and I appreciate you. Talk to you later. Have a good night, Shy. Thank you. All right, holla. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.